What's good, what's good, what's good? This is the first episode of Beyond the Sport, and I'm your host, Rod Jones. In this episode, you'll hear about how Oladipo's season-ending knee injury will affect the Pacers, whether or not we should still have any hope for the Cleveland Browns, how Brady's playoff success has helped his case as the greatest of all time, and much, much more. But for now, just cue the intro. Let's get it! start by saying that Victor Oladipo had ruptured his quad tendon in his right knee. Um, And he did that Wednesday night while his Indiana Pacers were playing against the Toronto Raptors. Um, Thursday he was diagnosed, after the MRI he was diagnosed with that ruptured quad tendon. And it had basically confirmed that he would miss the remainder of the 2018-2019 season. What does this mean for the Indiana Pacers? Okay, well, um, we'll, say, we'll start by saying this. Oladipo led the team in scoring, in scoring at 19 points a game. He also added on to those 19 points that he led the team with. He had five assists. Six rebounds, a player efficiency rating of 17.9, which was second best on the team behind DeMontis uh, Sabonis. And then he led the team also in steals at almost two steals a game at 1.7. That's an all-star. That is an all-star player. Not even all-star caliber. That's an all-star player who can play on both sides of the, of the court. He does any and everything you need him to do. A very um, positive, a very, you know, optimistic player. He gives that off in, his, in the atmosphere and the way he talks and interviews and different things like that. That's the type of player that they're losing. It sucks always to lose such a player. And, I mean... You know, just to have those vibes and it coming from the best player on the, on the court, you know, from the Indiana Pacers perspective, the best player on the court. You know, it's going to suck for them. I mean, I do feel that they are a very complete team. Um, but at the end of the day, this is their leading scorer. This is their best player. This is their all-star. Um, this is their closer, um, even more importantly. He closes the games for them. And without a, without a closer, what – do you expect to do in the playoffs? I mean, I just don't see any NBA team making anything happen without a closer. Um, I mean, you got you just look at different things. You got certain people, you know, like the Golden State Warriors, three out of the last four um, NBA Finals championships. And with the Golden State Warriors, you have a guy in Kevin Durant who can close the game. You have a guy in – Stephen Curry, who can close the game? Nah, Stephen Curry, I wouldn't say he's one of the better closers out of the two. I would definitely give it to Durant. And Durant has closed games in the NBA Finals before. I mean, two straight finals, the two straight finals in which he was NBA Finals MVP. And he also, you know, won both of those finals against LeBron. So he had a fourth quarter three-point that was a dagger that sealed each game. And, I mean, that's just, that's just that's what you need in a championship team, even if it's the Eastern Conference. 
In order to win that championship, you need a closer. They lose their closer. I don't see a way that they can replace it. Tyreek Evans is going to be his replacement in terms of the starting lineup. I just don't see that coming in, in Tyreek Evans, coming out of Tyreek Evans. He's not that type of player. Tyreek Evans cannot even shoot that well. You know, that's just the truth of the matter. You you got a player who averaging 19 points a game compared to a player who's averaging 10, 11 points a game. You know, so when you think about things like that, you, you got to think like how it's, it's just no way. There's no way that you can expect them to be able to replace such a thing. You know, Tyreek Evans shoots 30. This this year, he's shooting a little better, but he's shooting at um, around 37, 36 from the three-point line, which isn't, like I said, it isn't that bad, but it's, at the end of the day, he's not Victor Oladipo. He's just not. He's not Victor Oladipo. So, you know, you consider, you think about all those things, and even this year, Victor Oladipo is shooting 43, 42% from the three-point line. Last year, in the full year last year, he shot 48%. You know, that's that's tremendous. Nearly 50% from the three-point line in the season. No doubt. One the best player on their team. Hard to, hard to make up for that. And Las Vegas obviously sees that just like we all do. Westgate, Las Vegas, Superbook. Their odds... Went from one out of eighty to one out of two hundred in terms of their chances to win the NBA Finals, just due to the loss of Victor Oladipo. Like I said, they're a complete team, but things change when you lose your best player, a player with at Oladipo's caliber. Then you got, you know, like I said, on defense, this is a wonderful defensive team. Um, you got Miles Turner, Miles Turner. In the post, in which he averages nearly three blocks a game, three blocks. As a whole, they're they're a great team. But like I say, you're losing your using you're losing your best best player. You lost in the first round last year to obviously LeBron. So I mean, it changed things up a little bit. You're number three in the Eastern Conference right now, sitting at 32 and 15. Um, you lost Victor Oladipo in the second quarter. And ultimately, they ended up still winning the game. Um, so, there, there's pluses. There's pluses to this team in terms of what they're able to do, whether Victor Oladipo is there or not. But I just don't see – I don't see them making things happen. Um, another thing, I feel like what could be done to help this situation is looking in the trade market. Now – I really love Mike Conley. I love his game. I love what he does. But I think that he would be a great person to try to get in Indiana. You know, think about the small things. Mike Conley was born in Indianapolis, Indiana. Born. And he, who wouldn't want to be home, you know? Um, he obviously went to Ohio State, but he was born in Indiana. Um... This season, he has a player efficiency rating of 20.12. He's in his 11th season. That's experience. Um, something that the Pacers can definitely use. Um, a great person to kind of, you know, coach up, on the floor coach up a player like Aaron Holiday, which is, you know, the Pacers pick up last year in the draft, which I feel like is a very – um, a very skilled young point guard who could have a future, um, very similar to his brother in Drew Holiday. Um, but you know, this year Mike Conley, Mike Conley is averaging twenty points a game. That would lead he would if he was on their team leading leading their team in points per game. You know, also that backcourt would be tremendous. That's two players who can play on both sides. I mean. What else could you ask for? But that's just something to look for. That's something that, that's a potential something that could happen. Just something to think about, you know. Despite all of the drama in Cleveland, Baker Mayfield and the Browns have continuously found ways to become a more competitive team 
in the NFL this past season. But you have to wonder, when will this drama stop? When will enough be enough? We'll discuss that next. In an ESPN article, ESPN senior writer Seth Wittesham wrote about the clash of the Cleveland Browns, how Hugh Jackson, Jimmy Haslam, and Baker Mayfield collide. So, you know, I'm not going to really dive deep into what this entire article was about, but there were just a few things that I just couldn't resist talking about. As we all know, John Dorsey and the Cleveland Browns fired Hugh Jackson after a 2-5-1 and five and one start. Hugh Jackson gets fired, and this is the way in which things went in terms of how Hugh Jackson got fired and the conversation he had with um, John Dorsey, which is the GM. Um, Jimmy Haslam is the owner of the Cleveland Brown. Well, Jack, Hugh Jackson asks, why was he fired? Dorsey replied to say, the team quit on you. Hugh Jackson got mad and said, get the F out of my office. Now, I don't mean to laugh or nothing, but do you blame the team? If, if what John Dorsey is saying is true, do you blame the team for quitting on Hugh Jackson? I mean, you got to think about it. Hugh Jackson coached the team for 40 games, and in 40 games, he only won three games. What? Bro, why was he... I don't understand why he wasn't fired. It, it makes no sense for him to not have been fired. In 40 games, you only win three? Three? Only three games? Look, I don't know how he kept his job. I don't know what he did. I don't know what happened. But all I know is I need him to teach me. Look, I'm a graduating senior at the University of South Carolina, and I'm trying to do some great things in this world. And I want to know how to keep a job like that. My man's kept a job in which he coached 40 games and only won three. He, he kept a job and was being paid for not doing his job. Like, as a head coach, you're supposed to find a way to win games. And he kept a job and didn't find a way to, you know, he didn't win games. You look at this season, game one, week one, they tied, excuse me, they tied with Pittsburgh 21-21. They should, no, no question they should have won that game. But who was the quarterback? Tower Taylor. You know, nothing against that, but, I mean, you're talking about a game in which the top rusher was Alvin Kamara with 46 yards, the top receiver was Michael Thomas with 89 yards. The Browns couldn't win that game. So, you look at that game. Okay, fine. You know, they should have won the Pittsburgh game. They should have won this New Orleans game in which they lost by three points. They should have also won this Oakland game in which they lost by three points again. And Oakland, oh my goodness. The... Like, the fact that they didn't win that game. Like, look at the mess. Look at the mess. Look at what John Gruden is doing. I just don't get it. I don't get it. John Gruden, he let go Khalil Mack, who has gone to Chicago and helped them to turn that entire franchise around. And they went to a, you know, they won their conference. They had an amazing year. That ultimately came down to a losing it to the Philadelphia Eagles, Eagles on late game field goal, which is all well and good. But like I said, Oakland is a complete train wreck. They let go of Amari Cooper and look what Amari Cooper did for Dallas. What were you thinking, John? Huh? I just hope it's a plan. I hope it's something that we can't see, that we don't know. And at the end, I just hope John Gruden wins. That's all that I hope. He, look, he got, he got nine more years. He got nine more years to show me something. And if he any better than Hugh Jackson, not to, if he any better than Hugh Jackson, he going to show me something in nine years. 
something. You any better. All you got to do is win, what, four games? Yeah, you're better than Hugh Jackson. I don't know what Cleveland was thinking about keeping Hugh Jackson. I have no idea. They waited eight games this season. But prior to this season, he only won you one game. He coached, and prior to this season, he coached in 32 games. In 32 games. And how many games he won you? One? Oh, my God. And you keep him now? I love the fact you keeping an African-American head coach there. I love it. I'm with it. But 16 games? I mean, 32 games? And he only won one? Give him eight more games on top of that 32. What he did? He won two. Huh? What? It took him, you know, multiple. It took him, what, three games till he, he started Baker Mayfield? What? Took you three games to start Baker Mayfield? Nothing against Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor's an amazing player. He finds his way. But Baker Mayfield, ultimately, you waited until late to start him. And he still broke the record for rookie touchdown. Still beat out Peyton Manning for rookie touchdown with 27. Still did it. Helped lead the team, and he ended up, you know, they finished with a 7-8-1 and one record, in which they could have easily been above 500. Like I say, they were supposed to beat Pittsburgh. They tied that game, put them at 8-8. Eight and eight. They were supposed to beat New Orleans. They lost by three, but they should have won that game, no question. If you watch the entire game, they should have won that game. Put them at nine and seven. Play Oakland. They definitely should have won that game. That's ten and six. What? So they come on now. Tampa Bay. That was another game they should have won. James Winston looked like trash this year. Yeah, he had a good game that game. But they look at Tampa Bay. Look at them. They don't even know what they want to keep, Jameis. They ended up starting Ryan Fitzpatrick over him for the rest of the season. Then went back to Jameis. And Jameis still doing the same thing. I, look, Cleveland, I see, I see growth. I see a change. I see a lot different. But there's just a lot about this particular article that I just, it's just so much drama instilled in them. You know, there's so many bad decisions that were made. And yes, you know, Haslam, in the article, he made it a pledge to make better decisions. You know, he, he made a pledge to hire the right people. That was his quote-unquote words, hire the right people. You know, and his wife also said that they were quote-unquote still learning. They're still learning. Okay, that's all good. That's all fine. Continue to learn. You know, we're going to learn in, in, until who knows when. We're going to continue to learn. But at some point, you know, it's just, it's just a lot. It's just bonehead thing. You kept Jackson for 40 games. 40 games. And he only won you three. Three. I'm not no NFL coach. I'm not even an NFL player. But I can win you more than three games. Come on now. Three games? I know the let. Hey, look. It done been two full seasons. What you got me? A game? <laughs> you think you stand in that office? <laughs> and you knew something was wrong when, oh, like, you knew something was up when the way he responded to John Dorsey and and and, and Jimmy Haslam when they came into his office. When I say him, I'm, I'm speaking of Hugh Jackson. Get the f out of my office. What? And y'all ain't think he should have been gone already? Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. The only other thing that I want to talk about from this is the simple fact that um, Haslam 
you know, he, he's grown. He's definitely grown because recently they made some wonderful picks. Denzel Ward, a great pick. Baker Mayfield, great pick. Miles Garrett, a wonderful pick. You know, Jabril Peppers, he's a decent pick. He's turned out pretty well. Antonio Callaway leads to the team in passing touchdowns as a rookie with five touchdowns. Great pick. And they took a shot on him after all the trouble he got in in Florida. They took a shot on him. Great pick. So they've done some great things. They've done some great things. But at the end of the day, like I say, I see a lot of positive coming in, in Cleveland. And I see them going up the right way. Like I say, from 0-16 to 7-8-1, that's one hell of a jump. That's one hell of a jump. And I, I commend it, and I like it, and I love what I'm seeing from the Cleveland Browns, especially from this past year. I, just can, I hope it continues to go up, or they at least can maintain and continue to grow and be better and better. I love Baker Mayfield, and I love what Baker Mayfield has done. But the last thing that I want to talk about on this is the fact that of how bogus it sounds that in the 2014 NFL draft, Jimmy Haslam wanted to draft Johnny Manziel, right? Now, in that draft, you know, Johnny Manziel, Teddy Bridgewater, they were among the quarterbacks of that draft. Johnny Manziel had just come off winning his Heisman. Now, you knew that Cleveland was confused because they went and started the draft. They were at number four. They traded down to number nine and traded back up to go to number eight just to get Oklahoma State quarterback Justin Gilbert. Okay, cool. You know, coming out of, coming out of college, Justin Gilbert was, you know, he was a wonderful college player. He was a great college player. He didn't, obviously, for whatever reasons, it didn't pan out in, in, in Cleveland, you know, and which is okay. That's all well and good. But it just didn't pan out. It wasn't their best pick. Cool. But Haslam said he wanted Manziel. The reason he wanted Manziel and didn't want Bridgewater a lot of the football guys in the room or whatever wanted to pick up Bridge. They wanted to wait to the second round and get Bridgewater because they felt like he would still be there. But the team, you know, but Jimmy Haslam continuously said he didn't want Bridgewater. Reason being, the handshake. Bridgewater handshake rubbed Haslam the wrong way. Say what? His handshake. His handshake rubbed you the wrong way, so you say you don't want to. Say, huh? Like, do you know the nerves that comes in being in the, like you're in the NBA draft? I mean, NFL draft, excuse me. And a GM tells you, I mean, an owner says that you shook his hand the wrong way, so no, I'm not drafting you. Excuse me? Look, I don't know what it is. I have no idea what it is. I don't know why. But that sounds extremely bogus to me. And if, as an owner, you won't make a pick because of a handshake for a player that ultimately stayed, he's continued to be in the league, although he's been injured, he still continued to be in the league. This past season, he was the Saints backup quarterback behind Drew Brees. And Johnny Manziel is struggling to even get a shot at getting back in the league. He's playing Canadian football. And you chose to not get Teddy Bridgewater because of a handshake? No. I don't have nothing to say to that. That's completely, completely as my man Stephen A. Smith would say, blasphemy. Tom Brady has had much success. He's had much success, in, especially in the playoffs. But is his success due to him and his skill, or is his success due to what he has around him? And does his success ultimately make him now better than Aaron Rodgers? Hey, I don't know. We'll talk about that next. Okay. So, time to begin this, the money debate of the NFL, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. 
I'm going to be honest with you. Aaron Rodgers is still the best quarterback in the league to me. Yeah, Tom Brady is playing in his third straight Super Bowl. Number nine overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's playing, um, like I said, he's playing in his third straight. He won one of the last two that he was in. And, I mean, you know, Tom Brady does some great things. He found a way still to win that game against Kansas City, in which, in all honesty, I feel like if he didn't get that ball, he didn't win that coin toss. If they didn't win the coin toss, they would have lost that game. Um, I see every reason as to why Kansas City deserved to be in that game, but just, in all honesty, their defense is so horrible that it's so hard to overcome such a thing. I mean, their defense played decent enough, but at the same time, they forced to. They didn't necessarily forced because the interception that Tom Brady threw in on the one-yard line, completely idiotic of Tom Brady. That's completely his fault, um, a bonehead play. Um, and Tom Brady's second interception, unfortunately, you know, it touched the hands of Julian Edelman. So that becomes Julian Edelman's fault, not Tom Brady's fault. So, I mean, we can say that, yes, he didn't have any turnovers in the first game, but ultimately he did. He had at least one, ultimately two. But, you know, besides all that, Tom Brady is ultimately, he's definitely, I mean, he's he's great. Nothing against Tom Brady. He's a complete GOAT. He's done nothing but great things. His entire time. But I just don't see how Rodgers can't be better. When it comes to Rodgers, physically, he is more capable of doing more. Like, he can do more than what Tom Brady can. I think Tom Brady is in a great system. There's a few things around Tom Brady that I feel like Aaron Rodgers hadn't been around or Aaron Rodgers doesn't have. And one of those things is being Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is forever will forever be one of the all-time best head coaches, if not already the best head coach to ever coach an NFL team. Like, if not, like, Bill Belichick has been so successful, so successful, nine Super Bowl appearances, nine. You and Tom Brady gets to nine Super Bowl appearances and you've made it to 16. Like 16 AFC championships. I just don't. Come on. Like that's that's a lie. Bill Belichick is something about him. It's something about his system. He still found a way you know, to win, he still finds his way. Every year, it's the same thing. They start off the year struggling. We try to find all these different things about, oh, they don't have this, or oh, they suck in this place, or oh, their special teams isn't this, or oh, their defense isn't ready, or oh, that defense can't hold or stop anyone. And yet again, we find them in the Super Bowl. They begin the season looking horrible, especially defensively. Tom Brady had one of his not, I wouldn't say worse, but he did not have a great season this year. Didn't have a great season. But yet again, Bill Belichick finds a way. He coaches and he finds a way. Him and Tom Brady sit down, they figure things out, and they find a way, yet again, to find their way sitting in the Super Bowl. <sighs> Something about Bill T- Belichick, I'm sure. He's a safety back. He's a safety blanket. Bill Belichick is a safety blanket or Tom Brady, and that's something that Aaron Rodgers has never had, even in Greg McCarthy. In Greg McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers never had such a safety. He was never such a safety blanket. In all honesty, he was too much of a safety blanket. He doesn't want to modernize the offense. He doesn't want to adapt to what the NFL is going to. He doesn't even want to adapt to his quarterback. The quarterback that he has is capable of doing so much more in terms of like, he he's capable of doing so much more. He can do so much, and it just makes no sense for you not to take advantage of it. Let's look at a few numbers. 
before I continue to go on with my points, let's look at a few numbers. Since Aaron Rodgers became a full-time starter, you know, after Brett Favre left in 2008, um, they both have started 149 games. In passing yards, Aaron Rodgers is seven amongst all quarterbacks throughout that time period with 40,456. Tom Brady is fifth with 41,989. In passing touchdowns, Aaron Rodgers is second in 325. Tom Brady, fourth, 307. And TD interception ratio, which Aaron Rodgers is so well at holding on to the ball. So is Tom Brady. They're first and second, respectively. Aaron Rodgers having 4.2, a 4.2 ratio. Tom Brady having a 3.8. And in terms of QBR, Tom Brady is number two at 73.4, while Aaron Rodgers is Number six at sixty nine point eight. You know that I mean statistically they're not far from each other. None of that really look, means anything. But what you have to pay attention to is actually watching the games and really see what he does. I'm gonna go back to two different two different divisional playoff late quarter games. We're gonna go look at two different games. I'm sure everyone knows versus the Cowboys. An amazing player. Four plays before this. He blindside. He had. A, he took a blindside hit from Jeff Heath, Dallas Cowboys safety. He took that hit four four plays later. He threw a miracle pass to Jared Cook on the sideline that only he could make. That only he could make. Running out the running out the out the pocket, going on the run, throws a dime for a pass that only Jared Cook can catch, and which he did only catch, and he toe tapped in and fell down on his knees. The amount of accuracy on that throw. And if you want to see either of these plays, Google it. That, that, that crushed the Cowboys, set up a field goal in which the Green Bay Packers ultimately won the game and it took them to the NFC Championship. Took away all Cowboys hope, all the Cowgirls hopes, every fan angry. Hating Aaron, Aaron Rodgers because he always take away chances. That's what he does. 2016, they're playing against the Arizona Cardinals defensive back unit that is top of the league, led by Patrick Patterson. In the divisional round as well, the Cardinals only have to, they have nothing, all they have to do is just stop. They have the lead, you know, they have the lead. Is 20 to 13. They have a seven-point lead, and all they have to do is stop. You know, less than a minute going. You got Aaron Rodgers, fourth and 20, held back, pinned against your touchdown. What does he do? Finds a way out of pressure. Ultimately throws a bomb. He throws a bomb to Jeff Janis. First down. Not long after, they're stuck with only one play left, around five seconds to go. Hail Mary. It's Hail Mary time. Everyone knows what's going on. It's Hail Mary time. The Cardinals decides to blitz. They send people. Yet, once again, can't find, you can't catch Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers prepares to take the hit, throws it, just slings the ball now. Right in the end zone. Jeff Jones jumps over. Patrick Patterson catches the ball for a touchdown. Ultimately leads to Aaron Rodgers taking the chances of the Cardinals making it to them. I mean, I just don't, you know, it's just those type things. You got to think, like, how? How is he capable? What? How? It's just he's he's amazing, man. Amazing. Aaron Rodgers just, you know, he does a lot of different things. Rodgers on the run, 
and, and, and think about these stats. You got Rodgers on the run. You know, his completion percentage, well, he's 16-42 on the run. Brady is 80-13. Doesn't really pass on the run. It's a reason. You know, it's a reason why he doesn't pass on the run. It's not him. But in that time, on the run, Brady has thrown for 43 passing yards, while Rodgers has thrown for 293. While also, Rodgers has thrown on the run four touchdowns. On the run, he's thrown four touchdowns. Like, I mean, he forces the defenders, the defensive backs, to have to find a way to stay around his receivers at all times or else he's going to torch you. Aaron Rodgers finds a way every time. And even to look at that, speaking of torching and forcing DBs to stay on, look at the supporting cast behind Tom Brady and look at the supporting cast behind Aaron Rodgers, including the head coaches. Greg McCarthy is nothing like Bill Belichick. We all know that. Bill Belichick got him beat by far. But those that receiving core, Julian Edelman, you can look back at the AFC Championship game in itself of this year. Julian Edelman saved him. Tom Brady wasn't moving. He wasn't doing anything. He was literally passing that ball out in 2.5 seconds, three seconds. Tom Brady doesn't – what? Who is that? that? That sounds like coaching to me. Tom Brady not making anything happen. That sounds like coaching to me. He's throwing the passes. Chris Hogan, third down completion. Tom Brady throws it. Hopes for the best. Throughout that game, you can see Tom Brady was – he was missing them. He was, it was different passes he was missing. You got Gronk coming across, across the field. You try to throw it to Gronk. You overthrow him horribly. And that's your goal? Come on now. Come on. I don't see it. I don't see how we can't say that he's better than him. No, not just because, yeah, he has rings, but we all know this is a team sport. People forget this is a team sport. And that team and who the Patriots are, it's the reason why Tom Brady's never upset. Look at what he got. Julian Edelman running across the running across the uh field, wide open. Easy throws, money throws. Another third down completion. He threw the Gronk. And he threw it up the Gronk. Whatever Gronk was gonna do, he was gonna do. He don't think about stuff when he throw it to Gronk. I don't know, fly route. You just throw it. Gronk going to make it do what it do. This year, Gronk wasn't playing the best, but even still, you know Gronk will find a way. Sounds like he has more around him and has to do less in order to be great. And I just think that Aaron Rodgers has to do much, much more in order to be great. And that's just my argument. The all-star starters, as well as the captains, have been announced. Were the right people announced as starters and were the right people announced as captains? We'll discuss that next. Okay, so the 2019 all-star starters, as well as the captains for the East and the West, have now been revealed. Um, the obvious captain of the West is LeBron James, and that of the East is Giannis Antetokounmpo. I have nothing against Giannis Antetokounmpo in that pick. Um, I, I think that he that is well-deserved. I believe that the fans got that one right. Um, and I do believe that LeBron, ultimately, no matter where he is, he's going to always be at top. You know, he's the GOAT. I mean, you see, he comes into the Western Conference, and the fans still choose him as the captain. And, yes, he's missed 15 games this season. And yet the fans still choose him as the captain of the West. Hey, I don't think there's nothing ironic with that. But the two captains, they check out TNT February 7th. They choose their team. They select their team. The other starters for the East, you have Kyrie Irving, Kimball Walker, Kawhi Leonard, 
and Joel Embiid to go along with Gian Santacupo, who was their captain. This is Kyrie's sixth time, Kim Walker third time, Joel Embiid second, and Kawhi Leonard's third. But the big one out of that out of that group is Kimball Walker. I believe Kimball Walker is a very unique pickup. And it's very, you know, it's very special. I think he really deserved that. I think that Kimba is having a great season this year, averaging 25 points a game. Um, and, I mean, the only person next to him in terms of who would have been the next person would have been Bradley Beal, who's averaging just below him at 24.7 points a game, five assists. He's shooting a, a better percentage by three uh, at 46.7, while uh, Kawhi, I mean, Kimba Walker, excuse me, is at 43.6. Um, and then they're both are shooting 35% from the three-point. Um, but I, but uh, the Kimba Walker has a more player efficiency rating at 21.4 compared to Bradley Bill, who's at 19.3. Um, I don't think that they got this pick wrong. I think that the right person is where he should be. Kimber Walker is doing tremendous things. He had a 60-point game this season. Um, he's just doing a lot of great things and trying to keep the Hornets relevant as much as he can. And I mean, ultimately building a big case for himself as he soon looks to hit free agency. So, you know, those are the Eastern Conference starters. Now, as for the West, we have... Some of the obvious, Stephen Curry and Kevin Durant made it yet again. Um, this is Kevin Durant's 10th time making it to the All-Star game. Stephen Curry's sixth time making it to the All-Star game. James Harden also was in with number seven for him. And then Paul George with number six as he made it into the All-Star game as well um, in, the, in the West starters. Um, I think each and every one of these picks are definitely, um, you know, well-deserved. James Harden is on a tear Throughout this entire season, you know, the amount of, I mean, averaging well above 30 points a game, you know, he's, I mean, so many 40, 50 point games, like straight, like he's doing so much and he's carrying his team and that's just what he's doing. He's doing a lot on ISO, honestly, probably the best scorer in the NBA right now. There's no one that can stop him. You can't, he's going to get to the hole, like, He's going to hit his free throws. He's going to force you to foul him. He knows how to get the ball in the bucket one way or another. You don't have to foul him. And if you don't foul him, he's going to find another way. You know, you could, as the Lakers did when they played him um, a couple nights ago, and they continued to try to push him to go right. You push him to go right, a lot of times he, was find, he wasn't finding, you know, he wasn't doing too well. It took a little advice from the all-time great Scottie Pippen. And it kind of worked for them, but... I mean, as you know, as we know, they ultimately lost the game without LeBron. I mean, what what else can you do against a James Harden, Eric Gordon? Um, those are two, you know, late gamers. Um, they just both have done tremendous things this year, especially from the three-point line. And I mean, at the end of the day, James Harden is the one player in the league who's allowed to travel for a step back and get so much separation in traveling that no one can stop it. I mean, and if you give him too much space, he's going to hit the three ball. That's just James Harden. He's pure. He's, oh, like, oh, there's no word for him. He's just James Harden, man, the beard, man. He he got it. Look, best scorer in the league, no question. Now, let's take a little quick look. Um, let's talk a little bit about the projected reserves. Uh, we'll go with the East first. On the East, you got, you know, Bradley Bill, obviously, like I said, Kyle Lowry. Um, Victor Oladipo was a part of the reserves, but as we talked about earlier in the podcast, you know, he is now injured. So his injury replacement will be Chris Middleton, more than likely, uh, from the Milwaukee Bucks. You got Nikola Vucevic from the Magic, Blake Griffin from the Pistons, Jimmy Butler from the Sixers, Ben Simmons also from the Sixers. Um, and those are just, you know, among those top guys. Then you also have um, a few guys who, who could potentially get in. D'Angelo Russell, Pasco Siakam, Andre Drummond, Damanis Sabonis. Um, I just, I really don't believe that, for one, I don't think Andre Drummond should get in. Um, I think what's beginning to happen a lot of times is 
you know, the centers are kind of getting pushed out of the game so much to where they're not adapted and they can't shoot the three ball or they can't stand and, you know, play outside of that. They just don't make it in. Um, there are very few that are doing it, and I just don't see Andre Drummond doing as much as he could. Um, I think Blake Griffin is doing a great job of carrying the Pistons and keeping them a little relevant and keeping, keeping them in the playoff hunt um, in the Eastern Conference right now. So um, Blake Griffin is definitely well-deserved. Um, but there's only seven picks that each – well, there's only seven that each the East and the West get in terms of reserves. And the seven that I got for the East, Bradley Bill, no question. Um, I truly believe he deserves it. I think Jimmy Butler deserves it. That's another that deserves it. Blake Griffin, like I said, that's three. Uh, Nikola Vucevic, is, he has season highs, career highs in everything this year. You know, averaging 21 points a game, 12 rebounds. And he's also averaging four assists, which is also a career high for him. And then shooting 38% from the three-point line. I mean, he's, you know, you know, he's a pretty – that's a pretty decent pick pickup in terms of the players. And he's doing great things for the Magic. Um, also, Chris Middleton, I think he deserves to be in. Um, you know, he, he he's the Robin, you know, to Giannis Batman. Who's Batman? You know, he's he's that that man, you feel me? And I think, you know, Chris Middleton is perfect, perfect fit. Also, I think D'Angelo Russell definitely deserves to be in. A lot of people may not agree with that, but I really think that D'Angelo Russell deserves to be in. I see the Nets are doing a lot now. Um, I find them beating a lot of different teams. They're close. They're like right at 500 almost now and, I just see. I I think he's he's doing a very great job at being the leader of that team, um, and just really adapting that. You know, he's really taking in that leadership role, and he's doing tremendous with it. Like I don't know what would have happened if the Lakers would have decided to keep him, but I think you know everything happens for a reason, and D'Angelo Russell is where he's at for a reason. And they're getting a lot out of that team right now. So, I really like D'Angelo Russell in terms of him getting his his uh, first all-star pick, I mean, all-star game this, this year. Um, but who knows if that'll happen. And like I always say, Sabonis is also a great pick. Uh, Siakam is also having career a career year um, and having career highs and points as well. Um, but I definitely love Sabonis. I love DeMontis Sabonis. Um, as I said earlier, he's the best. He's the most efficient team on – the most efficient player on the Pacers. Um, you know, and he averaging around 15 points, 10, 10 boards a game. So I, I really, you know, I'm stuck in between those two um, when it comes to um, Sabonis, Siakam, and, and Ben Simmons as well. But I think you may have to just, you, you got to give it to Ben Simmons. Um, I think, you know, Ben Simmons, it's between – Ben Simmons, oh, and honestly, I, I didn't even think about it, Cal Lowry. Uh, so, you know, I think Siakam will ultimately miss this one, Sabonis as well. But it's between Ben Simmons and Cal Lowry. I definitely, I really believe that, um, I definitely believe that, yeah, D'Angelo Russell has to be in. He has to in the Eastern Conference. That's, he's a, he's a great leader. He's become a great leader. He's doing great things. As for the West Reserves, you have um, Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, Clay Thompson, Anthony Davis, Ruby Rudy Gobert, Nikola Vol—I mean Nikola Jokic, Carl Anthony Towns. Um, you got, you know, guys like Lamarcus Aldridge, Luka Doncic, Drew Holiday, Tobias Harris, Donovan Mitchell, Demar Derozan, Mike Conley. Um, and as always, you can only choose seven guys. I think Dame Lillard, both Dame Lillard and Russell Westbrook, both deserve to be in. Uh, Russell Westbrook is still averaging a triple-double, even though he's not shooting as well this year, shooting a low 23 from the three-point line. Um, but, I mean, with the way Westbrook plays, he's going to continue to shoot. That's just Russell Westbrook. That's how he plays. You have to let him play and go in order to get the best out of him. That's just him. That's how he operates. And ultimately, anybody who can average a triple-double should always deserve to be in the game. 
Um, you know, all-star game. There's no question about it. Anthony Davis, no question. Um, Clay Thompson, no question. You know, that's automatic four. Nikola Jokic, he's doing wonders for the for the Nuggets. And the Nuggets sitting around, you know, the top two teams in the, in the West. Um, fighting, They were fighting back and forth until the Warriors beat them last week. They were fighting back and forth with the Warriors. And now, you know, a lot of the reason for that is because of Nikola Jokic. He stands as, like, the best passer on that team, a team full of scores, a team that I think, you know, I've seen a, a mile away in terms of what they're capable of doing now. Um, I always believe that if the Nuggets were healthy with the Paul Millsap, with the Will Barton, I really love Will Barton um, and what he's capable of doing, <coughs> excuse me, as a, as a six-man or even as a starter in the three spot. I love what they're doing. And Gary Harris has arrived. He has arrived. Jamal Murray has arrived. That backcourt is money. Money. I will let that backcourt run with Dame Litter and CJ McCullum, McCullum, and I would love that game. I would love to see that series. That's like, them boys, look, they, they are making, they're making noise. Huge, a lot of noise. And Nikola Jokic is in the center of it. He deserves to be in. So, you know, I got those are automatic five. Dame, Russ, Clay, Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic. Um, I think Luka Doncic got to be in. Um, obvious rookie of the year. Um, he definitely deserves the opportunity to be an all-star. He's definitely playing like an all-star this year. He's playing like he's already been in, in the league. I mean, been in the league for a while. Um, and I think Ru- Rudy Gobert as the lockdown defender, you know, in the West, I think he ultimately ultimately um, is a lock as well. Um, I think Cat misses it out this time due to Luka Doncic and his year that he's having. Um but those are just my picks. Those are just who I feel like should be in. I think, you know, the starters and everything like that, I think everything was right. Um, LeBron is the GOAT. Again, LeBron is the GOAT. And if you didn't hear me that the second time, for the third time, I say LeBron is the GOAT. Um, so, as we all go, me and LeBron, you know, LeBron is LeBron. And Kyrie Irving told you himself, he should have known better. He should have listened to him. You know, you got to call LeBron for advice. Look, you know what's up. The GOAT. That's GOAT talk right there. I love it. I love it. Um, but while we're talking about LeBron, just real quick, this season LeBron is averaging 27 points a game with a um, with seven assists and eight rebounds. Um, he is currently still out. And... He's been out for 15 games at this point. Uh, I just, this is the longest that LeBron has ever been out when it comes to injury that I've seen, that I've witnessed. And I just really, you know, I hate to see it. Um, I really think that LeBron, you know, without LeBron, they, they, they struggle. I think that they really struggle, I think that they have a, a, a hard time. And um, I think it's it's not even necessarily the fact that they can't figure things out. I think they're just, they just go back to being young and trying to find themselves again. And, you know, without Rondo there to help either, I think that's a lot of the reason why, you know, without, they've been so mediocre without LeBron because Rondo hasn't been there either. Um, so I think, you know, a lot can ch- is going to change when LeBron gets back. Obviously, he's the best player in the league, best player in the world. Obviously, everything is going to change when he comes back. But I just, I really just hope that, you know, they find a way to really grow. Um, I love what Kyle Kuzma is doing. He is taking over while LeBron has been gone. You know, you can look, even in the game that they just lost, he only scored 10 points. But... You know, and Brandon Ingram scored 20. You know, and look at the – in terms of the starters, you got Rondo, Caldwell Pope. They got – they started Brandon Ingram, Kuzma, and then Zubak. You know, they brought um, Josh Hart off the bench this time. I don't – I'm not a fan of Josh Hart coming off the bench, but um, defensive purposes are something sure. But each all, – all they had six players in double figures. JaVale McGee was the number – was the second – was the sixth player. 
but all starters were in double figures. Um, they lost to Minnesota, 120-105, putting them at a record of 25-24. and 24. Um, But at the end of the day, I really believe – I still believe in the Lakers. Um, when LeBron gets back, I know every – you know, a lot of different things will change. I really do see a lot in the Lakers. And I'm just ready to see the playoffs. I'm ready to see how everything pan out. I, I can never wait until the playoffs. Um, but I think, you know, we're, we're, we got, we're up for a very great – a very, very – very great Western Conference um, playoffs. I, I can't wait. I literally cannot wait. Um, but outside of that, uh, when it comes to the All Stars, I think everything else is straight. I think everything else is pretty good. Um, like I said, Kimball Walker well deserved. Um, big shout out to him. You know he's he's that guy, and it's perfect because you know the All Star game is in Charlotte, and they they gave him his opportunity as a starter. Like it's it's money. That's it's perfect, man. Perfect. You know, I love it. I love what they're doing. Um, I love Kim Walker. And he, like I said, he's having a career year, um, averaging 25 points a game. He's averaging a career high. So, great year. Great year for Kim Walker. And, and well-deserved. Very much well-deserved. So, before we call it an end to the podcast today, um, we're going to do some segment I like to call to the community and beyond. I really want to dive into this and really get into a few NFL, NBA athletes that are doing great things in the community. Just want to make notice to a few things, but we'll do all that when I get back. That's up next. I I, I believe in Carson Wentz. I see a lot in Carson Wentz. And speaking of Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz has a foundation that he has started since he first began, he first got into the league and it's called the AO1 Foundation. One exciting thing about this foundation, obviously it's in Philadelphia, but he has the Thigh Kingdom Chrome, and it's a mobile food truck that gives free food. Free food? I'm talking about F-R-E-E, that spells free. Free. Look, yeah, I mean, that. That's that's for the community. That's for the people right there. I, I mean, come on now. You know, on the website it says, we are determined to dis- demonstrate the love of God and infuse his hope by feeding people and uplifting communities. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. You know, he he has, you know, outdoor programs for the kids and youth outdoor, you know, outdoor camps and, and things of that sort. He he does it. He's doing in 2019. He's doing the 2019. Uh, he's doing the charity. Excuse me. He's doing the charity softball game at the Philadelphia Phillies Stadium. You know, it, it's so much about him and what he's doing that you know you can see it's bigger than himself. He's bigger than himself. He acts as if he's bigger than himself. And at the end of the day, he he you know a lot of them come up with different things for these foundations and things of that sort, but ultimately. They are all steered by the athlete. You know, it's what the athlete wants. It's what they want to do. And they don't have to do this. You know, you can raise all your money and get all your money that you get. And you can take it and use it wherever you want to use it. But he chooses to build a foundation and use his money for others and and those in need. And I, I, I really commend that. I really do. So that was one guy who I think did something great. Then you got a guy in Brandon Cooks receiver for the Los Angeles Rams who could be worrying about everything pertaining to the Super Bowl, but instead he's making sure that the person who keeps the facility in tip-top shape receives two Super Bowl tickets for him and his son. It's bigger than football. Then got a guy in Marshawn Lynch was buying real estate just to make sure that those who are unfortunate can have affordable housing. I say all those things to say that in life, it's bigger than you. And sometimes you can have all the things that no one else have. But if you're not reaching back to give it to others or to give to others, then what are you really doing? And I'll just leave you all with that. For Beyond the Sport, it's your guy, Rod Jones. And I'm out.
Yeah.